Today I have the founder of River Life, John Sharp, and managing director Nicole Wurr. Mate, what a beautiful location. How did you come to find this? In 2004, uh, when we came up with the business idea, the timing was right because uh, the Brisbane City Council, who were running uh, the Naval Stores Museum here, were closing down and they were looking for new tenants. That is such amazing serendipity. Great timing, yeah. <laughs> serendipity, luck. Is, is there much of that in business? There is, but I think, uh, I think good planning and being able to have a vision of the future is probably, probably better than luck. And let's just take a step back to that starting the business and what did it look like in your mind before you took that next leap and, and how did you take that next leap? Look, in my mind I had a, um, had a successful business that, uh, that people wanted, they wanted to come here, they wanted to enjoy the Brisbane River. But the reality was, um, people were saying, what's an adventure centre? What's it look like? What's it mean? And I had to create what a, an adventure centre was, not just what it looked like in my mind, but what people would actually put their hand in their pocket and pay you to come and do something. So you started with the kayaks then? Yeah, the, we started with kayaks, we started with motorboats, we started with um, bikes uh, and we also had electric scooters. Um, we don't have electric scooters anymore and we don't have motorboats. Um, they were a bit of a failure and, uh, and I suppose they were a failure because um, we didn't really anticipate the problems and the problems were things like someone would go five miles up the river and then the boat would stop working and you'd get there only to find that they didn't put it in neutral to try and start it. And what about yourself, Nicole? You came back to the business and lo and behold, you've started another one. So what's, what's that business all about? Um, so we first started up a company called Adventure Morton Island, which is a tour company that goes over to Morton Island, just off the coast of Brisbane, and uses all the water sports um, and adventure activities over there with Tanga Tours. And then three years ago, we launched on the P&O cruise ships. We are a program called P&O Edge. So it's an adventure program on board the ships: um, flying fox, rock climbing walls, zip lining, um, laser tag, lots of really different adventures, really broad adventures. Um, so really, I suppose, a different scope um, compared to the water sports that we did over on Morton Island, um, but a really great opportunity. Getting past that ideas phase, what was the first thing that you had to do? You've got to try and keep your costs down as low as you can, and, you, and really my advice is to, to get funding from those sources that you can pay the funding back to without them continuously wanting a, a piece of your business. So if you sell off a part of your business for funding, then you'll always have that part of your business sold. And my advice is ask your family, ask your friends, go to the bank, scrimp and save, even buy secondhand products, you know, to get the business off the ground. Anything you can do to keep those costs down and maximize the chance of being successful and having a sustainable business, do that. What does what does failure look like for you, John? Did did you have can you tell us a story about about something that maybe you started that, that you thought was going to be great but failed and what did you learn from that? Look, I went into business in uh, 1988, so I've been in business now 28 years and um, a lot of the businesses have been quite successful, but some haven't. So you do need to then very, very quickly say, 
look, I've made a mistake. You know, I didn't see this competitor over here or the public really doesn't want what I have um, and you need to shut it down. John, do you find that your role across all of these businesses now and everybody, every one of your partners uh, having you on speed dial, I, do you feel like you're just the firefighter? Look, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a two-way thing. Um, I would call Nicole just as much. Uh, like even yesterday, I rang Nicole about a piece of equipment I wanted to purchase and it was, Nick, what do you think about this? But one thing I will say is you take on as much advice as you can. You talk to people around you, but you make your own decisions. You really have to because at the end of the day, you're the one responsible. And um, a good business owner will always take responsibility for what happens within their business. This episode of Mental Revolution is proudly supported by Advanced Queensland, Griffith University and the University of Queensland and is produced by Me Media. You're amidst the Mental Revolution. I am your host, Chris Hogan, and we're working to make entrepreneurship less lonely. Today, I have the founder of River Life, John Sharp, and managing director, Nicole Wurr. We're here on a heritage listed site in the heart of Brisbane at Kangaroo Point. Thanks very much for joining me, guys. No Welcome, Chris. Mate, what a beautiful location. How did you come to find this? Yeah, it's gorgeous, really. It's a lovely place to come to work. Um, in 2004, uh, when we came up with the business idea, the timing was right because uh, the Brisbane City Council, who were running uh, the Naval Stores Museum here were closing down and they were looking for new tenants and that's when we came in. That is such amazing serendipity. Great timing, yeah. <laughs> serendipity, luck. Is, is there much of that in business? There is, but I think, uh, I think good planning and being able to have a vision of the future is probably, probably better than luck. Yeah, yeah great. So started in 2004, 12 years ago today. What about you, Nicole? When did you get started with River Life? Um, I started River Life in June 2006. So I, um, just after I'd finished my degree with UQ, um, started out here in a customer service role for about a year um, and then moved up into an operations manager role um, and was here for about three or four years in total. So yeah, 10 years ago now. Yeah. And you said just three and four years. So it's 10 years ago. What did you do between that time that and, time, and yeah. So I uh, left River Life as I said, about four years after I started and spent 12 months up in the Whitsundays, um, just exploring up there. I worked on it as a deckhand on the boats around the Whitsunday Islands um, and then worked in a travel agency running that up there. So it gave me a really good scope of, um, I suppose, a wider view of what the tourism industry is. Um, and then came back um, four years ago now and uh, started up um, a business with John. Excellent. So serial entrepreneur, First time entrepreneur? It is, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. So when Nicole actually left as operation manager, did you ever think she would come back? Oh, well, I hope so. Yeah, I really did. Um, I suppose you get to a stage in your, your work life where um, you've learnt as much as you possibly can within that role and you go looking for another role and sometimes that other role can be going out on your own and starting your own business and um, particularly when you've, when you've picked up a lot of knowledge in a certain area and you're still passionate a, a, about that industry, starting your own business can be a really good option. Yeah, excellent. And let's just take a step back to that starting the business and 
What did it look like in your mind before you took that next leap and, and how did you take that next leap? What was the first thing that you did? Look, in my mind I had a, um, had a successful business that, uh, that people wanted, they wanted to come here, they wanted to enjoy the Brisbane River. But the reality was um, people were saying, what's an adventure centre? What's it look like? What's it mean? And I had to create what a, an adventure centre was, not just what it looked like in my mind, but what people would actually put their hand in their pocket and pay you to come and do something. Is that because it basically didn't exist, that whole concept, or...? Yeah, and look, I suppose there are still not many adventure centres around the place, uh, but back then it was, uh, it was very difficult to actually find a place to hire a kayak to get on the river. In fact, you couldn't do it. Uh, finding somewhere where you could go rock climbing every single day or just spend a couple of hours or do an abseil or, or get a bike, you know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't available back then and it was something that I thought uh, people would like in time, uh, particularly with um, the growth of the inner city. You know, I thought the opportunity for someone to come and hire a kayak rather than buy their own kayak, store it in the garage, throw it on the car, bring it down. You know, I just thought there was an opportunity. So if I could keep the prices reasonable, then I thought people would come and would continue to come and bring their friends. Right. So you started with the kayaks then? Yeah, the, we started with kayaks, we started with motorboats, we started with um, bikes, uh, and we also had electric scooters. Um, we don't have electric scooters anymore and we don't have motorboats. Um, they were a bit of a failure and, uh, and I suppose they were a failure because um, we didn't really anticipate the problems and the problems were things like someone would go five miles up the river and then the boat would stop working and you'd get there only to find that they didn't put it in neutral to try and start it. Um, or they'd take the electric scooters too far and the batteries would run dead and they'd have to go and retrieve the scooter, retrieve the unhappy customer and generally give them a refund. So you know, that wasn't something we wanted to do. Were you doing much of that yourself back in the early days, John? Back in the early days and I still try and be as hands-on as I can because uh, you've always got to remember when you start a business, you start it for a certain reason and that reason generally is because you love doing what that business is all about. Yeah. So I still go kayaking, I still jump on stand-up paddle boards. I love doing all that and I try and do it as much as possible. Excellent, excellent. And what about yourself, Nicole? You came back to the business and lo and behold, you've started another one. So what's, what's that business all about? Um, so we first started up a company called Adventure Morton Island, which is a tour company that goes over to Morton Island, just off the coast of Brisbane, and uses all the water sports um, and adventure activities over there with tanker tours. Um, so it was a great product. We created for mostly the backpacker student youth market, um, really focusing at that sort of target market and trying to drive people over to Morton Island. Um, and then three years ago, we launched on the P&O cruise ships. We are a program called P&O Edge. So it's an adventure program on board the ships, um, flying fox, rock climbing walls, zip lining, um, laser tag, lots of really different adventures, really broad adventures. Um, so really, I suppose, a different scope um, compared to the water sports that we did over on Morton Island, um, but a really great opportunity. Excellent. So sticking with what you know by the sound of it, mm. uh, sticking with adventure. Mm -hmm. And back in the early days John uh, getting past that ideas phase 
What was the first thing that you had to do? Did you have to go out and get funding? Did you save some money from a previous gig? You know, yeah, what it, did that look like? Look, it's a combination of all those things. So, so basically, you've got to try and keep your costs down as low as you can. And, you, and really, my advice is to, to get funding from those sources that you can pay the funding back to without them continuously wanting a, a piece of your business. So if you sell off a part of your business for funding, then you'll always have that part of your business sold. My advice is, Ask your family, ask your friends, go to the bank, scrimp and save, even buy secondhand products, you know, to get the business off the ground. Anything you can do to keep those costs down and maximize the chance of being successful and having a sustainable business, do that. Yeah, great. And I think you've also alluded to, you know, making sure that your sales are, are helping fund you as well, yeah? Absolutely. Um, in fact, that is probably your best form of funding. So if you can start off small and use the profits from, from those sales to generate the growth of the business, um, that is, that is your, your best business model. And so the more you sell, the more successful you become, the bigger you grow and you get the company to the size where you feel happy with it. And uh, that size should be based around where you feel comfortable. You know, if you feel comfortable running the company yourself and you want to keep it to uh, 10 or 20 people, that's great. If you feel comfortable bringing on a business partner to help you with the business, do that. Or if you just feel comfortable bringing on other managers and you want to step into more of a director's role, that's another way of looking at it. Yeah. So let's talk about partnership. Is this your first partnership, John? No, I, um, I have lots of partnerships and lots of business partners, generally younger, who, um, who have really great skills in, in management and they generally manage and operate the day-to-day -day side of the business, but also um, facilitate the growth. Uh, so, uh, for instance, the, the partnership Nicole and I have, Nicole runs the business completely. We have a 50-50 partnership. Um, I help in the setup, particularly with new ships and new activities, um, safety, insurance, finance, that side of the business, all those uh, bigger picture things, whereas Nicole will source the people who work for the ship. Uh, and what else? Um, it's, uh, I suppose it's in encompassing a small business in, in general, really. So it's yeah, HR, recruitment, bookkeeping, um, just the daily operations that, uh, you know, it's, it's got to be done. It's a small business and you step in there and, and just do it. And, and how do you find partnership with regards to, you know, those challenges that you need to overcome day to day? I think it's, um, it's all about using the partner that you've got and using their strengths. Um, John and I work well in a sense that we've got different strengths. Um, so it's really utilising John's skills, um, my skills, and putting that together to make something successful. Um, and then utilising people around you that are in your environment as well that can, um, you can learn from their experiences, their successes, their failures, and um, really you know, taking in what everyone, every advice that everyone can give you. Yeah. And I think um, just building on that, the core team that you have there, it, continually getting the team together and discussing issues and um, working out ways of improving the business uh, because everyone who works for you is really an asset for your company and they they all have great ideas they all have something to contribute and as a team together it's much much stronger than as a business owner thinking that you have all the answers is that what you would call innovation 
Probably not. Probably collaboration. Um, innovation. Innovation for me is is finding an idea or creating an idea, and then making it work. Um, now that idea is not necessarily always my idea. It could be you know the team could come up with the idea, or together as you throw things around, you can create an idea as well. So I suppose you're right. You know you can innovate during those meetings, and uh, in fact that's that's one of the things we do in in areas like marketing. So you you'd come together as a team and you'd say, well, okay, how are we going to market this new product? Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned you've uh, just launched some new products too. So. Um, how are they going and, and how, how old are they? Look, we, you know, our latest product is, uh, is literally launched this week. Um, going quite well to start with, but you never really know because you, know, you could be during a boom time. You know, we're during the school holidays right now. Yeah. So, so with an adventure product, hopefully an adventure product aimed at families and, and kids is going to do well during the um, yeah. school holidays period. But you've also got to be able to scale that business back during the slow time so that the business doesn't collapse. So having the correct business model is really, really important. Uh, yeah, we've launched a number of uh, different products. We have um, six different businesses over at Tangaluma. My uh, business partner, Brad Ross, and myself um, we run things like uh, parasailing, diving, uh, massage and beauty, um, all the water sports, the eco tours, a number of things uh, over there. And um, as well, the P&O ships that we're on with P&O Edge come into uh, Tangaluma at Morton Island and we, we cater for the needs of the people when they come onto the island as well. Sounds fantastic. And I'm just envisioning, you know, you visiting each one of these businesses and, and having the time of your life uh, overlooking, I guess, the activities that are, are going on, is that a reality? Like, are you actually spread, spreading yourself thinly across them or do you pretty much leave the majority of them to run and stick with this one? Like, how does that all look? No, I, look, I, I try to balance my time across all the businesses that I have. Uh, but one thing that, that's really, really important to me is having very, very strong and capable business partners who in turn become the, the general managers or the managing directors of that business. So uh, when it comes to me needing to be away to look after another business or, or build another product on the ship, I know that back home in the other businesses, they're being run well and, and looked after by very capable people. Fantastic. And so we've touched on the fact that you're a venture tourism company, but you also do events. How important has events been to your business? Events are terrific. In fact, uh, the events now make up approximately 50% of the turnover of Riverlife. Uh, we also run out of the North Shore Riverside Cafe, uh, which where we have our off-site off catering and liquor licensing from. So, um, so we run a um, seven-day-a-week um, restaurant over there. We have um, here at Riverlife, uh, we have oh, around about 120 weddings a year. We have uh, corporate Christmas parties. Um, we celebrate things like uh, River Fire and New Year's Eve. And um, what they do is they, they're a real, it's a real opportunity to have leisure on the edge of the, the Brisbane River as well as adventure. So sometimes the combination is terrific. People will go out for a kayak, come back on a Friday night and have uh, you know, 
paddle and prawns, a couple of beers afterwards. Um, it's a real great way of combining adventure and leisure. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. excellent. And so, business plans, yeah, and, and, and university, and I kind of put the, the two together a little bit, you know, you're doing a lot of paperwork, you're doing a lot of theory. What importance would you guys place on business plans, Nicole? Um, look, I think going through uni, you learn all this and you sit in a lecture hall and you sit with your tutors and you, you're going through all this paperwork and some things you think won't be relevant, but it's those things that you're actually using in your in your day-to-day -day life. Um, I think having a good business plan and a structure is, is really important for knowing where you want your business to grow, um, where you want it to head in and what direction. Um, without that, you can really get lost and, and go off track a bit and lose that focus. Um, so having, I suppose, a good understanding of what you want and what outcomes you want from your business is it's really important. And what importance have you played, oh, sorry, have business plans uh, played in not just this business, but all of the other ones that you've started as well? Look, uh, for me, uh, the, the main thing about a business plan is to have the flexibility to change when you need to change. Um, and the reason why that's so important is because things creep up on you, things that you weren't expecting. The government could call a snap election, which might affect the way your uh, consumers uh, are purchasing your product, for instance. So then you've got to come up with ways of, of changing your marketing plan so that you, um, you stay adaptable. Uh, and also opportunities pop up all the time as well. So for me, a business plan is about having budgets, um, meeting regularly with your team, and then being able to say, are our budgets right, are they wrong, Tweak, uh, tweaking what your business plan has in it, and then being able to change it. Because sometimes, um, if you don't stay attuned to those opportunities or threats that are sneaking around the corner, then your business can collapse and you don't see it coming. Okay. so. You've started business before River Life, and uh, we've got a big jet going over us. <laughs> We're challenged by noise today. Um, what does what does failure look like for you, John? Did did you have? Can you tell us a story about about something that maybe you started that that you thought was going to be great but failed, and what did you learn from that? The next big thing, yeah. Look. Look, I went into business in uh, 1988, so I've been in business now 28 years and um, a lot of the businesses have been quite successful, but some haven't. And um, you have to then be able to say, am I on the right, right track or do I need to pivot? Do I need to look at other avenues? Uh, sometimes um, you have the ability to look at other avenues, but sometimes you've just back the wrong horse and so you do need to then very very quickly say look I've made a mistake the, you know I didn't see this competitor over here or the public really doesn't want what I have um, and you need to shut it down and there's been a number of times where I've had to do that which can you describe one to us yeah I remember this uh, I remember this car wash that uh, that we started what was that that was um, that was back in, in early 2000s, during the drought, really. There was a, there was a drought on, and, um, and it just took more effort than what it was worth. And I could have continued with it. I, it may have been successful, but you have to look at the cost of other opportunities as well. So you can be driving the same business that's not really going anywhere, or you can stop it, 
and go on to something else that you feel more passionate about and um, is going to work. Yeah. There's always so many opportunities. You know, it's not, when you talk about failure, for me, failure is not always 100% failure. Sure, the business didn't work, but you learned a lot along the way. And it's, it's very similar to going to university. You, know, you, you learn certain subjects that you may not feel that are relevant to you at that time, but then they'll come back and you'll go, wow, yeah, this was important. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever doubted yourself? I suppose you have to be confident enough that when doubts either come into your own mind or if somebody's there trying to put doubt in your mind, which happens a lot, particularly with a new idea. You know, there are, there are not many people that start a new idea and everyone says, oh, well, that's great. Usually it's the opposite. People say, why would you do that? No one's going to bother doing that. Or they'll tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't start a business. Um, and it's having the self-confidence to say, well, I'm going to give it a crack anyway, you know. Sure, it might not work, but what have you got to lose? Right, so what have you got to lose? Like, how do you manage that risk? And, and, and sorry I'm drilling you at the moment, but it's quite a good conversation to have. How do you manage that risk? So if you're going to start a, start a new business, what do, you, what do you say, I'm prepared to lose this, much, this amount of money and that's... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's about minimizing your risks. So, so you look at where your risks lay and if they lay in, for instance, um, buying a lot of stock or, or buying a lot of equipment, um, then you've got a fallback. You, know, you could either sell that stock off or make sure you can or use that equipment somewhere else. But there's, a lot of, um, there's also a lot of expenses you have that you'll never get back. You know, there's, um, there's all the, all the staffing, um, insurance, or, yeah, insurance yeah. Uh, marketing materials. There's a, there's a lot of things in a, in a business. Now, my advice really would be, if you're gonna start a business off, try and start it in a way where you don't have a lot of associated costs. So, so if you're gonna set up a business, set up a website, you know, trade small, you know, until you start making some profits. Um, the more you can cut the risk down, the better off it's going to be. And sometimes some of those risks also are getting other investors involved. You know, going out and, and getting people to um, invest money and giving them a portion of your business, that's a huge risk. Particularly if the business does really, really well and you're the person doing all the work, do you really want to be giving a portion of your business out? Yeah, yeah. So Nicole, what about yourself? Um, I want to talk about mentorship for a second and how, what, what role does John play as a mentor and do you have any other mentors? Who do you have on speed dial when I guess the, when, when you really need that help? Question answered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I've been lucky to work with John for the last 10 years and obviously John's got um, experience that spans a lot longer than that. So, you know, he's always at the end of the phone um, and that I suppose knowledge and experience that he's got there is great to learn off. Um, but then people not necessarily in this industry or that I work directly with, um, it could be someone in a complete different industry and it's just having their experiences, what's failed for them, what's worked for them and really learning off that as well. Um, and it's about taking it on board, um, not being blind to the risks, but being willing to take those risks if it's a, 
if it's a, a worthy risk to take. Yeah. And have you had any key failures that that come to mind that that you think that other people could learn from that would be worth mm. telling that story? Look, I suppose we, uh, we've we been quite lucky um, in the businesses that John and I have started up. We have tried things within those businesses that have failed. Um, but again, it's about the, without those risks, we wouldn't have grown and learned from those. Um, so it's more so we've tried different activities um, that we found haven't really been popular with the customers, um, haven't met their needs and their demands. Um, on an overall sense as a business, so we have been quite lucky, um, but there's always, Every day there's something that goes wrong that you're going to learn from, yeah. <laughs> no matter how big or small. <laughs> so, John, do you find that your role across all of these businesses now and everybody, every one of your partners uh, having you on speed dial, I, do you feel like you're just the firefighter or do you actually feel like the mentor in your, you, you like being in that position? Uh, look, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a two-way thing. Um, I would call Nicole just as much. Um, like even yesterday, I rang Nicole about a piece of equipment I wanted to purchase, and it was, Nick, what do you think about this? Um, because your business partner very, very quickly understands the business better than you do, because they're in it, they're running it, and, and generally, they're the ones coming up with the ideas and pitching them to me. And um, like I have my own set of mentors as well that, that I'll call uh, but one thing I will say is you take on as much advice as you can you talk to people around you but you make your own decisions you really have to because at the end of the day you're the one responsible and um, a good business owner will always take responsibility for what happens within their business uh, particularly those, those bad decisions uh, as well as the good decisions um, risk is a funny thing. Uh, being able to minimise risk comes in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and the way I look at things is this. Sometimes you don't have to go and buy the house. You can rent it for a while and see whether it works, whether it works for you. Sometimes the biggest mistakes people make are they, they rush in and they build business plans around projections that are not really true projections. Uh, what you've got to be able to do sometimes is make sure that those projections are either realistic or very low or, or the business still works when they're low and also you have the capacity to be able to deliver if they're high as yeah. well so that you're not upsetting customers. Yeah, great. So without, I guess, sharing too many secrets, uh, what does the future hold for River Life? Well, River Life, I mean, John's probably a great person to talk to about River Life from, from our business's point of views. We've, um, you know, we've got some really exciting things coming up, um, growth and expansion. Um, you know, it's not a secret that P&O are bringing on uh, different ships and new ships in the future, which allows our programs to grow. Um, it allows us to try different activities. And yes, it's still the same program, but that can expand and grow and change. Um, you know, there's always an opportunity to be had. Um, a business that we might not have even thought of yet. It's, you know, if you see that opportunity, it's about, you know, if you want to make it work, you make it work. Um, so look, we're always looking to grow our businesses, um, bringing on the right people who can manage the business that we've got and help us grow it and use their ideas and concepts that they can foresee. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's quite an exciting time. Excellent. Yeah, for me, uh, the, f the future um, really is about um, communication. How do we communicate now? Um, uh, when we first started, there was no such thing as a smartphone. 
You know, the world has changed. There was no GPS to, to find where we were. Um, so for me, the opportunities that lie ahead, um, the obvious ones lay with um, digital innovation. And we have a very strong digital team here. We have a great brand manager, digital manager, and a number of people who work in that area across the businesses. And I think that's where, um, that's where the opportunity is, and that's where the growth will come, the natural growth within the business. Because if you create an appealing product that people want, and you have an efficient method of communicating with those potential customers, uh, then you have a business that will continue to grow. So for us, it's, it, it's all about that for the future. Great, and did that, did that idea of introducing digital, I mean, it, it would seem natural to me, I work in the industry, but did that come out of maybe feeling like you'd hit a ceiling in your business at all? Like have, uh, look, uh, uh, yes and no. Um, you've, one thing you've got to remember is when new things come about and people think that they're going to be the next best thing, it's not always the case. Uh, like, for, for instance, when social media came about, everyone decided that they needed a, a social media manager or they needed to be involved in every different area of social media. And most of them just got it wrong, um, including ourselves. Um, what you need to do is you need to step back a little bit and say, well, where does the opportunity lay here and, and will our customers use this effectively? And for us, it, it was a matter of, of seeing other industries and other businesses be successful in the digital area. Um, consumers started to buy our product, uh, like 50% of uh, online purchases are now with a smartphone. You know, who would have thought three years ago when it was all done online with computers? Um, so it's a matter of uh, trying to stay ahead and trying to follow the patterns that your customers are starting as early adopters. Um, so th there's a balance there between being an early adopter yourself and, and being a, a, you know, an early majority, right? There is. Um, if you know something, if you have a gut feel that you know something is is going to go in a certain direction, generally follow that. And uh, if you're one of the one of the early successes, like back then we were one of the early successes with um, email marketing, way back when, when we were we would send out emails during the week and we would get a spike in purchases. That doesn't happen anymore, people just delete them. So <laughs> you have to be, uh, yeah, you have to get on to the next best thing. Yeah, yeah okay, cool. And what about you, Nicole? Um, is there anything that you're looking to introduce into the business that I guess may be slightly different? You know, I've already talked about, yeah, you can see expansion and all the rest of it, but that early adoption of an idea that maybe you think, you don't have to talk specifically about the idea, <laughs> but. Fine. Look, we've, um, you know, we've just brought on someone new in the last two weeks um, to, I suppose, grow that side of the business. So, you know, it's, it's about finding those new things, um, you know, th simple things like virtual marketing, virtual reality marketing, um, you know, growing with where, what the customer needs and wants, um, and really sort of expanding into that future space that hopefully will, um, you know, become the norm, but we can get there first and really make it a grab for, for people. Yeah, so we're going to be climbing, we're going to be abseiling. On, sitting in your lounge. Yeah. <laughs> How do people stay in touch with you? What's the best place to watch what you're doing maybe with all of your businesses, John? Are you on any social media channels that people can follow you on? 
Look, um, we're just about to start up a website that, that brings in all all the businesses, and that's uh, Sharpie.co. Um, however, you know, Google searches are the best way to find you know, what to do in Brisbane, what to do on the Brisbane River. You'll find River Life straight away. Uh, Tangalooma Island Resort, you know, people love going over there, feeding the dolphins, and you know, doing all our adventure activities. And of course, uh, P&O Cruises, you know, with P&O Edge. Yeah. Cool. And what about yourself, Nicole? Are you on any social channels that people can follow your progress? Yeah, look, we've got obviously the LinkedIn and, uh, and Facebook has become more of a business um, side rather than a personal for side. For the company? Yep, for so which... that's myself and then P&O Edge. We've just launched uh, an Instagram page, so really trying to grow that, P.O. Edge. Um, Facebook, we've got a Facebook page that's really growing with our followers. Um, so Instagram and Facebook are our main, our main bits on there that you can find us. Great, well, I think that's about all we've got time for today, guys. I really appreciate your time. I understand we had a few technical difficulties and uh, what a beautiful place to be. It's a sunny day on the Brisbane River. Um, Kangaroo Point, magic place, magic building, magic businesses. Um, Not just thank one. You. Yeah. So Thanks, really great to meet you guys. Cheers, thank you. Thanks.